Good evening, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this first session entitled The Word of Life from the Letters of John. Thank you for being here and uh, taking time out of your busy day or evening uh, to participate in this study. I'd like to offer a word of prayer for us this evening. Let us go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O God, I pray that this study of John's letters can be a blessing to each and every person who watches it, O God. Getting into the Word is important, Lord. Studying your Word is important. Understanding, Lord, your Word is important. So bless, Lord, all of the eyes and the ears, Lord, who see and who watch. I pray this is a gift for them. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So, church, I thought what I would do, since this is, of course, a a very brief uh, letter and letters of John, is to read it uh, and to... um, a guide uh, guide us through it this this evening, along with some some notes and, and commentary. So, if you would bear with me, if you have your Bibles uh, in front of you, please read along. Uh, picking up with the first chapter of the first letter of John, beginning with verse one, and I'm going to go through chapter two, verse two. Uh, the title of the introduction here is "God is Light." We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then He was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins 
of all of the world. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So I'm going to make a transition now to uh, some notes and just just some some thoughts of reflection here. The words of life, uh, Dr. Wright entitles this chapter. So the very idea of God's new life becoming a person and stepping forward out of the future into the present is so enormous so breathtaking that a tone of wonder, of hushed awe and reverence becomes appropriate. This is what we find in the opening verses of the first chapter, the first letter of John. That which was was from the beginning. Now pause and think about that for a moment which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have gazed at, pause again with your own eyes. You didn't just glimpse it. You didn't just gaze at it. Yes, says John. And what's more, our hands have handled it. You have touched it. This life. And you have touched him. You have handled him. Yes, repeats John, we heard, saw, and touched this from the beginning. Life. We knew him. We were his friends. And we are still his friends, the professor says. Once the future has come into the present, the present is transformed forever. When you reflect on what it means then you will have to say this. We have seen the future, and it is full of light and life and joy and hope. So I I read those words from Dr. Wright, and I think about just for a moment the big picture of things, okay? And the Apostle John here, in a sense, is giving us the big picture approach, Okay, the big picture of God the Creator, the big picture of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He is, and the Word of God, in fact, being revealed in this man, God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it in this. You know, so often we don't think in big picture terms. We think in the moment, in the now, in the second. And, and, and often when we, when we think like that, right, we're, we're missing the big picture, okay? So, look, I, I, I constantly have to, in my own prayer life, think of the big picture, okay? And, and the big picture as I see it is God is a God of redemption. God is a God of victory. You, you know, you go to the book of Revelation and you kind of see the ending, you know. And, and what the ending is, ultimately, is that God's going to win, okay? God, God's, God's got this in his victorious hands. This thing called life, this thing called salvation, this thing called a spiritual war with the devil and with the devil's minions, those demons that, you, you, you know, are attacking the church, attacking the believer. So big picture is simply this. 
there's victory in God. God has got this in his mighty hands. But so often, right, our human nature, our fallen nature, our sinful nature, only only allows us to see and experience things that are right in front of our faces, okay? Big picture, a God-like perspective, a God-like big picture, you, you, you know, is able... Uh, for us, certainly in His Word, okay. Don't don't take it from my word, but what's in God's Word? The end, the Alpha and that Omega part is that God's got this, and and it's going to be all right, okay. God ultimately is the keeper and the giver of victory. So I, I, I want us as as Christians, as a church, you know, to always to be able to step back and in faith trust and obey and, and and to simply say and to ask in our prayers god give me the big picture here give me your perspective okay uh, allow me to see beyond myself beyond my needs beyond my selfishness beyond you know what's in front of my eyes your big Picture. So, so that, that that's kind of how how I interpret kind of this this intro here uh, that uh, that Doctor Wright is giving us. So, just just a couple of other things. Bear with me for a moment here. Think of an unusual experience you have had, an amazing place you visited, an incredible meal you ate, a remarkable person you met. How would you go about explaining it to a people who have not had the same experience? Think about that for a moment in, in your own life, in your own uh, journey. Uh, two two things, well, actually three things come to mind, okay? Number one was the experience that uh, Emily and I had several years ago going to Yekaterinburg, Russia, okay, 1,400 miles inland uh, in Russia. What, one of the things that we got the experience to do was to see a portion of the Ural Mountains in Russia. Wow, what a God moment. What an experience. It, it, it's hard to put that to words, church, but that experience was a truly spiritual moment <laughs> going through all of those time zones in Russia that that in itself was an experience but but that moment that Emily and I got on that train going from Moscow inland seeing those mountains he, here's what we were doing there we were going to a Methodist church in Yekaterinburg Russia that had been built in the year 2000. We were going there to help out uh, in, in the best way that we could to repair that Methodist church, to also lead vacation Bible school for the children there. But that whole experience was absolutely incredible. That was one thing. Another thing um, for me uh, spiritually uh, that I want to share is when I got to go to the Holy Land uh, in January of 20 to be on the Sea of Galilee uh, to put my toe <laughs> in the Dead Sea uh, to 
see up close and personal the Jordan River, wow. Again, it, it's hard to put words to these things, but I felt the very presence of Jesus Christ, and it still to this day gives me chills, okay? Let me bring it closer to home. Uh, after Mary, uh, after uh, the wife and I uh, married, we wanted to go uh, on a trip together, uh, so we went to Colorado. One of the places that I remember very vividly was Telluride, uh, Colorado, if you've ever been there. We, we spent two weeks just camping, and... Uh, we camped in Telluride and literally walked into the town. I'll never forget that experience. It wasn't anything, you know, truly extravagant, but just the experience. Being able just to plop the tent there, walk into the town, get coffee, eat, come back to the campgrounds. We were right there where uh, the the water, one of the one of the many different. Uh, bodies of running water was wow you you were just at peace it was beautiful um another spiritual experience that i will never ever forget that was meaningful to the both of us and you just remember it and it's etched in your brain forever uh, as being a truly uh, profound experience so heartfelt experiences those are mine what are yours? Think about that. I'm going to include some other study questions here uh, about that. But you see, th this is what this is what John is doing. He's giving a very heartfelt spiritual experience. He's putting it to words. John's intent always, and you can go to the Gospel of John to read this for yourself. His intent always was to have a written account of Jesus Christ in order to make believers, you see. And this is yet another account. I'm giving you a heartfelt experience of Jesus Christ, of what God sent him, him here on earth to do. Heartfelt experiences, right? That That's what life is all about. Okay, in verse, uh, in 2 John, rather, 2 John, he writes, we announce to you the life of God's coming age, which was with the Father and was displayed to us. Unfortunately, the word for age in chapter 1, verse 2, has often been translated as eternal or eternity, which gives modern readers the idea that John and other early Christian writers who referred to God's new age were thinking of something, in quotes, eternal in the sense of purely spiritual, end quotes. Something that had nothing to do with the world of space, time, and matter. That's what people often hear when they read the phrase eternal life. Which is, which is what most translations have in chapter 1, verse 2. But this is mistaken, the professor says. John, like Paul, and indeed like Jesus himself, is thinking of the new age, the age to come, which God has promised. They were in line with what ancient Jews believed, that the 
world history, as mentioned at the beginning of this guide, was in fact divided into two periods or ages. And let me explain. The present age was full of injustice and oppression, whereas in the age to come, God would put everything right, in particular, rescuing his people from the evil they had suffered. And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking about that age and this age, and I'm thinking, not much has changed, has it? Not much has changed at all. Hoping, wishing, praying for that age, the age of God to make all things right, you know, to come and to come quickly. And, and a church member and I just just this past Sunday had a great discussion around that, about, about this, this spiritual feeling of these birth pains that we are inching closer and closer to that time. Actually, you know, I thought about this. That has not been the first person that has told me that, that we are inching toward that age to come very soon. I want you to think about that, okay? And I want you to put some serious thought to that. Several people of the Lord have told me that recently. Something to certainly put prayer to and, and to... To discern, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Rachel send some more questions here that go along with this study. Let me let me uh, let me end with uh, with a couple of other things. Uh, John and and the professor here are gonna step on some toes here. Okay, uh, it's all very well for John to say that we have fellowship with God Himself, but if we have already ruined our lives by carelessness. He says stupidity or downright wickedness. We are or ought to be ashamed. Okay? If we only could hide or God would give us a chance to clean ourselves up. But that's not how it works because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The darkness which encroaches upon our messy, rebellious, and unbelieving lives cannot survive in His sight. We see that throughout God's Word. We see that right in front of our faces in the world we in the world in which we live today. If we pretend to be in fellowship with Him while walking in the dark, meaning behaving in the less-than-human way that we choose, then it's like telling lies, he says. You see, from the very earliest days of Christian faith, Jesus' followers believed that his death had been the very thing the world had been waiting for. It was the ultimate sacrifice. The blood that flowed from Jesus' body as he hung on the cross was the very lifeblood of God himself, poured out to deal with what? With sin. And with the sins in the way that all of the animal sacrifices in the world could never, ever do. That blood, that sacrificial death, that God-given life on our behalf and in our place is available 
like John is saying, for all of those who walk in the light. That doesn't mean that we have to get our act together, morally speaking, before God can do anything. It means this. It means that when we consciously turn to the light, when we face up to what's gone wrong in the past and don't try to hide it or sweep it under the carpet or run away from it or deny it, and when we are, here it is, when we are determined to live that way from now on, Two things happen. Take note of this. Very important. First, we find ourselves sharing that intimate God life, not only with God Himself, but with one another. Second, we find that Jesus' blood somehow makes us clean, pure, and fresh inside. Look, you, you, you've, you've heard of this before. There's power in the blood. And, and that's exactly what John is saying. That's exactly what the professor is saying. There is power in the blood. But ultimately, right, we have the free will to either accept that cleansing blood or not and turn away from it and deny it, and say, no thank you. Or, like a lot of us do, just say, oh, thank you, Jesus, but not right now. So, there is this choice. By the grace of God, you and I have free will, okay? Are, 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 we, are we going to let the cleansing and anointing blood of Jesus Christ free us? cleanse us, or as he says here, clean, pure, fresh inside. Are, are, are we going to let the cleansing blood of Jesus do what is it, what, what it was intended to do, or, or not? Or not. Okay? John is bringing that home for us, okay? Uh, in these short books, it's packing a spiritual punch here, Okay? All right, let me continue here. Here's a note on uh, the uh, the first letter of John, chapter 2, verse 2. And, and I ended with that here. Found this interesting. This And look, let me go there now so we can refresh here. Chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Okay? No other man, okay, no other uh, false god, no other being, but he himself, that being Jesus Christ, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but what? The sins of the world. Okay, let me go there. This verse is very near the heart of it all, he says. It seems that John is writing to Jewish Christians who might have been tempted to suppose that Jesus is only, only Israel's Messiah and was the remedy for their problems, for their sins and for them alone. Ah, not a bit of it, John says. Jesus' sacrifice atones for who? For our sins and not ours only, but those of the whole world. So, of course, in that day, that meant 
both the Jew and the Gentile, okay? Just as God didn't remain content to be in fellowship with only his own son, right? But wanted to extend that fellowship to all of those who, who he met and followed Jesus. And just as John is writing this letter so that its readers may come to share in that same divine fellowship. So now, all who know themselves to be forgiven through Jesus' death must look not at their own privilege, but at the wider task. God intends to call more and more people into his fellowship. Strong words. Strong words. And we will leave it there. Uh, What I want to do is um, send with you some study questions that I want you to uh, look at and reflect on, please, as, as, you, as you read these, um, these chapters again. Let me, uh, let me tell you where we're going for next week, for next Wednesday. It's entitled, The New Old Command. And the reading is 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 14. So, with that said, church, you have a blessed and wonderful evening, and I will see you next week. Let me offer a word of prayer for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, it's in our Lord and Savior that we find your word, the word of life, the word of victory, the word of salvation. John had a had a way with words, oh God. He was offering that salvation comes in and through Jesus Christ. And he wanted to get that message out, not just to the Jewish community, but to the Gentile community as well. Lord, as we read that today, Jesus Christ is for all people. No matter who you are, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter where you've been, no matter what baggage you may be carrying, Jesus Christ is for all of mankind. That is the message. That is the word. Lord, I pray that we can live that good news each and every day. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Church family, uh, I I need to to mention this, uh, very important uh, news. Next Wednesday, we will be having our WOW activities. Uh, That would be for the 22nd day of September, that Wednesday. Uh, We're going to have study and activities for church members of all ages. So our adult study will actually be done live. So if you are able to come, please do. If you cannot, that is perfectly fine. We will have this recorded and email it out. So I will look forward to seeing you either uh, in our live experience or through our recorded ministry. And a big thank you to Rachel Stoneman for making this, uh, producing this, and making it possible to all. So I will look forward to seeing you then. Take care and God bless you.